edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you as we get set for another week. And, well, maybe another week of wins for the Toronto Raptors as they come fresh off of victory last night, last evening, over the New Orleans Pelicans, and now six in a row in the win column for the Raptors. And, Jonesy, break up the Raptors. It's looking pretty good right now, as I tweeted out about 20 minutes ago as well. I've got to assume that at some point in the next couple of hours, maybe before we leave the air, we will hear the name Fred Van Vliet announced as the Eastern Conference Player of the Week because I cannot imagine that this award is not his. Other guys have had solid weeks, but the week he's had, the two weeks he has had, he has got to take home the hardware for that honor today, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he's been, he's been really good. Um, and you know that you talk about break up the Raptors. Um, not even COVID can do it this time. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was that fateful night in Utah when the Raptors had won eight, or sorry, they had won five in a row. And that was on the heels of earlier in that year, a 15-game win streak, right? So the, the team was, they had the third best record in the NBA when it shut down during, at COVID. And this is the first time since then that they've won more than five in a row. They're sitting on six now. I mean, technically, they won the first three in the bubble, so that would make it eight, but it's kind of a, you know, kind of a disjointed type of season. So, uh, you know, for legitimacy reasons, I'm going with this one. And, uh, and, and, and to Fred, I mean, he's, he's at a stage right now where, I mean, he's like, he's like saying to guys, hey, there's stuff to be done. Hold my drink. Just hold my drink for a second here. Let me go get this done. And Fred is Fred is he is tearing it up, uh, scoring. Um, you know that the what Utah on Friday night the game we did I, I, that was like watching a guy in the schoolyard, where you just give him the ball and get out of the way, and he's finding a way to get the ball in the hole. He, he he's shooting, he's driving, uh, off balance shots, you know, trick shots, everything. He you know he's stealing it at the other end. That's that's the guy you want on your team when you're playing pickup and you want to hold the court for a couple hours. He's he's playing out of his mind. And and, and the fact, Jonesy, that it's not just the scoring as well, right? He's still continuing to keep the assist totals up. He's getting on the glass even more and more as the season goes on. And we saw even just a couple of nights ago, too. Granted, I know these are sort of few and far between with Fred VanVleet, understandably. Getting in there trying to get a couple blocks as well. He hasn't, I don't think, lost a step defensively. Like... And it's funny, I was talking to, to my wife last night, we were watching the game, and she's like, how many minutes did Fred play the other night? How many is playing tonight? And isn't you know Nick Nurse concerned about that? And I said, yeah, but at the same time, like, they need him right now. Like, they, they need him. And when you're playing at this level, I've got to assume that when the Raptors practice today, Fred's not practicing as much. His practice might be treatment. He's going to be on the floor a little bit, but he's going to get his rest. And you know what? You've got to fire up the engine for two and a half hours, three, four nights a week, and be yep. ready. Because you know what, yeah. if you give me give me that in the game, I'll make sure that you get your rest and your recuperation and whatnot in practice and on off days. Well, for the minutes police that keep uh, looking at uh, you know how many minutes and he's he was at the top uh, the last check a couple days ago. He was at the top of the NBA in average minutes per game. For those people that want to play minutes police, okay, rest them and lose games. It's like the conundrum for the coach or the time and the timeouts, right? Oh, I don't want to use my timeouts because I won't have them at the end of the game. Okay, you have those three timeouts when you're down 30. That they'll they'll do you a lot of good then. 
right? And and it's the same thing. People that are, you know, and and it and it's become a thing that that um, that that coaches, front office people used to think about, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. I mean, if a guy had to play, a guy had to play, and you you look past the minutes. But it's become a thing now with the analytics, and and there's a great example: people like your wife who are, you know, they're more in tune with the game, and it's something. Yeah, you worry about, but hey, if if you if you're going to win, sometimes your 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 best player has to play those minutes, and people say, well, yeah, he's worn out for the playoffs. Well, you wouldn't have got to the playoffs if you didn't play him. So you're right, Eric. All of those things that um, you know we talk about. There are ways to rest, guys. Fred got some rest. What what game was it last week where the, they got up big, and he got to sit? Oh, the game the, before the back to back in Milwaukee, he got to sit. You know, he got to sit a little bit in the in the fourth quarter against Utah. You're right. He'll be getting treatment. He'll be on the floor a little bit. He probably, hopefully, he went home yesterday after the six o'clock game and got off his feet. You know, maybe hung out with his kids and did did, you know, did everything to kind of recoup so and, and recover. So, um, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. You know, I, I, you know, it's like your money. Yeah, you can put it in the bank and save it and walk around poor and borrow money. That doesn't work. You you got it. You need to use it. Jonesy, minutes played in the NBA this season, uh, updated as of right this second. Fred Van Vliet, number one. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, James Harden. Number four, LeBron James. And then five through ten, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Miles Bridges, Scotty Barnes, Julius Randle. Number 11 is Russell Westbrook. But reason I bring up the top ten, but especially the top five, Kevin Durant, James Harden, LeBron James, right on Fred Van Vliet's heels. In fact, Kevin Durant is 37.2 minutes per game. Van Vliet, 37.5. And LeBron James, after being in the league 45 years, is still averaging 36.8 minutes per hey, game. Harden hey. at 36.9. Like, come on. Like, if, if, if LeBron James can go out there and give me 36.8 minutes, Fred Van Vliet can give me 37.5. Well, and, and Eric, it goes to the point that we always talk about, uh, just what I mentioned about playing your best players if you're going to win. One, and, and second of all, look at those names. Those are the best players on their teams. I mean, you get down to even, you know, Westbrook and, and some of the other. They are the best players on their team, and the coaches have them on the floor. And sometimes you, you, can't, you can't worry about minutes. You know, it's like people say, well, he's got a lot. Magic Johnson had a lot of turnovers. Yeah, he had the ball in his hands all the time. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you, know, um, you know, Batista struck out a lot. Yeah, he's a home run hitter. Like, he's going to like, it happens. Those, those two kind of come with yeah. the turf. They come together. They're a package deal. So, um, the bigger question for me is with the Raptors climbing the standings now, uh, they are actually uh, behind Cleveland still, technically, for uh, Raptors sit in seventh, but they have one fewer loss than the Cavaliers. Like, the loss column isn't quite in order in the East the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, Cleveland had 17, Toronto 17, Charlotte 19, Washington 20, Boston 21, Knicks 21, Atlanta 22. Like, that was lined up nicely. And then Cleveland gets beat yesterday and uh, just barely, like, 0 .009 percentage points ahead of Toronto in the standings for that valuable sixth spot where there's no 
sniff of the play-in tournament. Um, t- Toronto's really kind of rescued things, and, and it's the East. You just you can move up and down the standings very quickly if you get hot or if you go cold. Well, I mean, to your point, the Raptors now, it, they're building up a bit, a bit of a cushion. They've got a two-and-a-half game lead over the Celtics in 10th and the Knicks uh, who have the exact same record technically with the you know head-to-head and tiebreakers, yada, 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 Knicks sitting in 11th. But there's a two-and-a-half-game bulge. But they're only a half-game up on Charlotte on eight. They're only a half-game behind Cleveland. And lo and behold, they're only a game-and-a-half behind Philadelphia for the fifth seed. So keep this thing rolling right now. Uh, that said, it's going to be tough to keep it rolling in the next game. Not to say that they can't win. They've won six in a row. They're rolling right now. They're healthy. They're looking good. But a very stiff test coming with the 30-9 and Phoenix Suns in Toronto's next game. That is tomorrow. And I know our, our man Lance Kennedy was supposed to be going to that game, and he's, yeah. he's uh, frustrated that he's not going to that one. Uh, put him on the, the board. Put him, put him on the board tomorrow night. What do you think? Yeah. Hey, why not? Lance, make a trade. See, see if Tom Holland will make a, 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 you know, make a, or Tom Young, excuse me, Tom Holland. I'm turning Tom Young into Spider-Man here. See if Tom uh, Tom Young can maybe uh, you know pull a shift switch with you there, Lanzo, and then you can work the game, and then you get to watch the Suns. Here's here's what I'm worried about, though. Here's what I'm worried about, though. You put you put you put Lance on the board. It's like the kid that's doing the clock in the high school game, where it's a tight game, and all of a sudden the clock stops for a few seconds longer, or it or it runs when it shouldn't because he's up cheering. (laughs) So, like, uh, hello, hello. Lance, the button, the button, the, the slide it up. Slide it open. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good to have him in the building, though. Well, Lance, let's put it this way. When the Suns come back for the finals, hopefully, uh, hopefully oh, the building will be wide open, right? That's well, a, and, and, it was a running joke for the, our listeners. It was a running joke for Eric and I in the years when the Raptors were not very good. And we'd leave, oh, I don't know, we'd leave L.A. or we'd leave... Uh, uh, San Antonio after the one trip to the West, and the guy'd say, "See you around." And we'd say, "Yeah, see you in the finals," with the Raptors <laughs> at fifteen and thirty-six. <laughs> well, and, and Jonesy, part of the reason I bring up that Suns game too is you look ahead to later in the week. You've got the back-to-back Friday, Saturday, Detroit, Milwaukee. Now, with no disrespect to the Pistons, they're eight and thirty. They've already beat you this year, though. And that was a game that you definitely had circled on your calendar if you're the Raptors. And again, I know you want to pay all respect to every opponent and you got to play every game, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But that's a game you should have won. And they already beat you once. And they, they, they took care of you pretty well, too. So that, that's not one that you can circle anymore. That's one that you've got to get back. And that's the only one that is like that on the schedule the rest of the month. Maybe we could argue Portland because Portland is not a playoff team. But the rest of the month, again, starting tomorrow, Phoenix, Detroit, Milwaukee, Miami, Dallas, Washington, Portland, Charlotte, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta. You're talking about legit teams. Even the Hawks. I know they're the 12th seed. That's not yeah. a team that I'm circling. Go, oh, that's that's a gimme. No, you got legit, legit opponents. Arguably the entire month, barring as I say, maybe a couple of games where you go, okay, non-playoff team. But but what what did I just rhyme out there? 12 games remaining or something like that. 10 games yeah. remaining. At least eight of them are playoff teams. So. The, the schedule's coming out here. You've taken care of business against teams that you should. Due respect, San Antonio, the Pelicans, you got some wins that maybe weren't expected against a, a banged-up team in Utah. You took care of business on the road in Milwaukee. Great. You took care of business against the Knicks. Yes. All right. Now, let's go. Use this momentum because, you're again, you've got the momentum. you got the health. you got a lot of things rolling. And how crazy is it? 
to look and see, and I know there's a lot of road games coming, but to look and see the Raptors' home record now starting to turn in their favor at 12-10, and 10, and they've done a ton of this damage without a single soul in the building. Like, that's the craziest thing that the Raptors have been able to plow through this homestand with nobody watching in person. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a disadvantage, Eric, that I think, I think they're trying to turn into an advantage. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've watched them. It just seems like they have an army of people over there between all the assistant coaches sitting in the second row. Um, every player... Uh, you know, that is able to be out on the bench. Even, you know, Gary Trent Jr., who was a late scratch yesterday because of his ankle, uh, started to swell after the after the warm-up. He comes out in his street clothes and he's sitting on the bench. And they're really generating their own energy. And I, and I have to think for the other team coming in, it, it, it's kind of like a throwback to... I mean, people around the Raptors tell us this is what it was like in Tampa last year. You know, half-empty arena and, you know, very quiet and almost sterile. But I, I have to believe it's a little bit of a, an adjustment and a shock for visiting teams coming in, coming from 18,000, 19,000 in some arenas to a place where there's nobody. And as I said before, the crowd influences so many things. It, it gives energy to the home team. It also, in the right circumstances, gives energy to the visiting team. It, I, I think it influences uh, officiating or can influence officiating. It, it, can, it can have the other coach when Raptors go on a 6-8-0 run and the crowd's into it, it, it can maybe, I wouldn't say force an early timeout, but kind of punctuate or confirm that you need a timeout and I got to think with some of these teams coming in and none of that around it takes them a while to get their bearings and you know maybe Toronto's turning it into an advantage I I, I don't know if that's you know it's just kind of a theory I don't know how how I can test it or, or if it's really true but and then on the other hand maybe they just figured it out Eric and they're playing well at home because they have everybody back yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Um, you mentioned uh, the injury, uh, hopefully hopefully just for one game, to Gary Trent, the late scratch in yesterday's game. Again, the Raptors beating the Pelicans 105-101. We spent a lot of time talking about Fred Van Vliet, and we'll talk more about him in a second. But not to be lost in the shuffle as well, Pascal Siakam, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, two steals he has been putting up monstrous numbers during this six game win streak and i'll repeat again after a few games maybe a week of of trying to find his legs find his range whatnot uh when finally returning to the lineup and entering the lineup after the offseason shoulder surgery and missing most of camp and preseason everything else give him that that handful of games he has had an outstanding season not just the last six games or so. Another incredible uh, performance last night, as I mentioned, with the 29-10-7 in the victory over the Pelicans. And here's Pascal after the game. Um, continue to take whatever the defense gives me and, and, and feeling like, you know, like I have an advantage every time I'm out there on the floor and, and, and just, just taking that. And um, I feel like, again, with my shoulder um, and just, just, just starting to... Feel more and more comfortable, and 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 um and and I remember you know talking to Alex. We knew it was going to take time, and and it was just about being patient and and, and continuing to trust um 
you know, everything that we did, like the work that we did, and, 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 and just um, going out there every single day pushing and, and, and hoping to feel um, as, as, you know, more comfortable as we go. You know, it's a great point that Pascal brings up, Jonesy, when you talk about the shoulder. And that's why I wanted to play that clip right now, uh, just talking about plowing through an injury and, and, and recovering from an injury and getting back from an injury. And hopefully, again, it's just a one-day blip for Gary Trent and we see him back in the lineup tomorrow because this team otherwise has been healthy and gotten healthy and gotten through COVID and whatnot. Um, I don't care if you're a weekend warrior or a professional athlete. Trusting the trainers, trusting your body, how your body is going to respond, knowing that, okay, I am healed I am okay, I can go back to doing what I did or being who I was and knowing that your body will respond. That trust, I don't care whether it's been your knee, your ankle, your shoulder, a finger, a wrist, whatever it is, that's the toughest thing I find. And I, again, weekend warrior, think about an injury you've had and knowing that when you go out for your, your weekend run or when you're going out to play tennis against your buddy or to go you know, uh, you know, shoot hoops at the park, whatever it is, that your body is going to respond. And now you amp it up to you know, 110 degrees for a, for, a, for a professional athlete, Jonesy, and amplify what they go through and what they put their bodies through. It's that trust in the process, trust in the science, trust in the, the experts that they will get you to the point that you need to be and that your body will do the work you need it to. Yeah, that's a big part of coming back from injury, uh, not just the physical side, but the mental side. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but just think about Clay Thompson. You know, we, we were talking about Pascal here, but it's a big part of it, how you react mentally and knowing that your body is going to be able to handle the rigors of getting back to your game. And, and you know, in, uh, in basketball... Um, you know, you can kind of orchestrate it on offense. Uh, if you're a little hurt, you you can, you know, you don't cut a certain way or you don't. But when you're on the defensive end and everything is strictly reactive, if you're not well or you're not confident, it's going to show. It, it, and, and, and it'll show, it'll come through in your play as well. So it's it's nice to hear, you know, and see that we can see that Pascal is, you know, he's back. I mean, he's he's putting up great numbers. He's playing really well. And if not for Fred kind of overshadowing everybody on the team, we'd be talking more about Pascal. No doubt about it. Let's talk a little more about Fred, though. <laughs> Why not? 32 points, four rebounds, four assists, eight of 17 from distance last night. What is he at now? Six of the last eight or? or uh, Six of eight, yep. Yeah, going for 30-plus. I mean, an absolute tear for him. After the game, let's not even hear from Freddie. Let's hear from his old teammate, who we will discuss after hearing this clip. Jonas Valanciunas in town with the Pelicans, and here's JV on Fred Van Vliet. You took Kyle Lowry's spot now. <laughs> He's a captain. Court captain. No, he's uh, uh, I think he's playing in an all-star level, and uh, he's he's proved that he's uh, uh, he can be a leader uh, on the court and off the court. You know, he's a vocal leader. I remember him when I was with Raptors. He was starting to get a vocal leader. Right now, he uh, he has he has that freedom, and I think he's really smart guy who who, who can lead and who can lead by example i 
thought there might have been more coming there from Valanchunas. I apologize. I, I left the pregnant pause because I know there was one little bit at the end. I saw it on, on the broadcast last night on, on the postgame stuff where JV gets up from the table upon uh, finishing that answer, and he looks down at the, uh, at, the, at the box score, at the stats, and he's like, what did he have? Psh, only 32. <laughs> and, and JV walked away after that. <laughs> Wasn't it JV that had the uh, the uh, the paper behind Demar Derozan when he yes. had when he yep. had fifty two like yep. and, and you know what there's a guy Eric just for a quick second um, he comes back and he can't get his warm up in because everybody wants to talk to him it was the first game back for him uh, since the trade the Raptors had been done with Memphis and then the you know the bubble and then Tampa and JV never got to come back to Toronto it's too bad the fans weren't here but he was he was like the mayor was back in town he's talking to everybody and shaking hands and um and I just look at talk about numbers he's putting up some really good numbers too the problem is his team is well below the line and I don't think he's going to get many nods for for front court voting but you talk about a guy who's um you know he was drafted fourth overall by the Raptors, and I remember his first news conference where he could I mean, he could barely put four words together. He was a second-language learner of English, and now he's a, an experienced vet in the league. Uh, it's just really cool to see his growth and, and talk to him. Yesterday, I asked him how the family was doing. He goes, ah, my kids, they're on scholarship. They... they they eat they play video games <laughs> you know and i'm just looking at how far he's come to and i i know a lot of raptors couldn't have won that championship without marcus all but man jv would look real good in a raptor uniform right now wouldn't he yeah yeah yep absolutely 20 points 17 rebounds on 7 of 12 shooting last night for uh, Jonas Valanciunas. And, and Jonesy, it's funny, you're, you're right. He didn't get the, the, um, you know, the, the welcome back because of the, as you just laid it out, they, they had already been done with Memphis, and, and we haven't you know, seen any of Valanciunas' teams in Toronto since until yesterday. But if you recall, and I'm trying to remember now if it was uh, round two against Philly or if it was conference finals against Milwaukee. I could check my Instagram feed because I know the picture is still up there. I think it was against Philly where he came back in the postseason yes. as a fan. And I, I was working the TV broadcast that day and did an interview uh, with JV during the during the game. And he did get the reaction then. Now, it's different to be coming back in a game in another team's uniform and getting the, you know, the video tribute and all that stuff. And, and, and I guess he was robbed of that, in a sense, by doing it in an empty building last night. But I, I still remember when he walked in, because I don't recall anybody from the Raptors, from media relations to anybody else, telling us that he was coming. So when he walked in, I was as surprised as the fans to see him. And then, of course, doing the interview, the folks, the fans were going crazy. And think about that, a team that traded you away. And it's... It's not personal. It was a move that, you know, it's business. But the team that traded you away, and yet you still have uh, enough friendship, enough uh, honor, respect, pride, whatever, to say, no, this is a team that I've got a ton of friends. I've got a pride in what I did and how I helped build part of this, even if it wasn't necessarily just this season, the last number of seasons. And to be there, to want to see it live and in person. And that had to have been tough. And he sat on the baseline. Right by the Raptor bench. Like, I mean, it, yes. he looked like he was injured and in street clothes, and he was still part of the Raptors. And there he is watching his team that traded him away, his former team, 
go toe-to-toe against Philly and then on to the conference finals and on to the championship. And that alone just tells me what kind of person, and I knew it already, but what kind of person JV is, let alone what kind of player he is. Like, outstanding individual, let alone player. He really is. Uh, he really is. And uh, it was it was just great to get a chance to talk to him yesterday. And, uh, you know, he left the arena, and same thing. He was in the bowels of the arena before he could get out. A bunch of Raptor staffers, uh, you know, front office people, uh, I mean, um, that work in various capacities with the team. Marketing coordinators and people that have been, you know, interacting with him over the last few years they, they kind of hung out in the bottom by the team bus by the pelicans bus so they could talk to him and, and say hello to him so good for jv you know you like to see uh you'd like to see uh, good people get treated well so uh the raptors again one last time knocking off the pelicans yesterday 105 101 as the raptors uh win their sixth game in a row and now sit in seventh in the eastern conference right on the heels of the cleveland cavaliers uh getting set for their game now tomorrow at home against the phoenix suns and we will have that action for you right here on sportsnet 590 the fans so tomorrow it's a double dip of smith and jones you want to talk clay thompson right now or do it after the break let's do it after the break we'll talk about clay thompson after the break uh and then we'll uh, roll in our first guest as well as we will hook up with jared greenberg from nba tv and the nba on tnt folks it's smith and jones make sure you subscribe to smith and jones wherever you get your podcast please rate and review as well we will be back in mere moments Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And yes, indeed, Clay Thompson back on the floor last night for the Golden State Warriors. Fantastic to see Clay back out there, Jonesy, as Golden State goes on to beat Cleveland uh, 96-82, the final in his return to the lineup. 20 minutes of action, 17 points on 7 of 18 shooting, adding three rebounds as well, three of eight from distance. But putting all that aside, maybe what really stood out for me not just seeing him out there and the story that that is the dunk you know what the leg is fine the body's fine flying through traffic and throwing down a big time dunk i loved seeing it and that's kind of goes to what we spoke about what 10 15 minutes ago the body responding and trusting the body and there he is here i am the exclamation point the statement that i am back on the map in the nba yeah um you know he he Obviously, he feels good. I mean, trust his body. Uh, put a lot of work in. I think it was 941 days, and there was a, a graphic up the last time Clay Thompson played, and it had all these different guys in different uniforms and, and uh, just kind of a historical marker as to where we were the last time Clay Thompson was on the floor. So good for him. Good to see him back. Uh, you, you never want to see guys get injured, but it's great when they're able to come back and, um, you know, as in his case, make an impact still in a, in a win last night. And hopefully he just gets stronger and gets better 
if you're a Warriors fan. Here's, here's an interest. Fan. Yeah, absolutely. Here's here's an interesting one for you as well, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about this um, in hour number two when we talk football and some of the numbers and some of the bets that were available yesterday in oh. the National Football League where people just narrowly missed winning a ton of money. Because of the fact that Draymond Green dressed last night, I saw, I, I honestly, I don't even remember who it was. I, I should have screen grabbed it myself, but I saw somebody tweeting it. It might have been SN Bets. If you're not following Sportsnet's betting, at SN Bets. Might have been SN Bets that posted it. Um, but somebody last night put like 10 bucks or something on Draymond Green under points, under rebounds, under assists, and whatever the numbers were six and a half, five and a half, nine and a half for the various categories. But put like ten bucks, or might even put a hundred bucks, but won like eight thousand dollars or something because the odds of going under on each one, somebody screwed up on said betting service if they didn't know that Draymond was just putting on a uniform just to be introduced and to be in the lineup, and he was coming immediately out. He he was in the starting lineup, and and I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, "Hey, if if Clay can go out there playing on one leg and still playing in the finals and whatnot." I can be out there for his return, and that's exactly what he did. He put on the uniform, he went out onto the floor, and he immediately walked across center, picked up a foul, and might have played seven seconds in the game, checked out, and that was it because he was hurt. Didn't play the rest of the night. But the betting services, or at least a couple of them, maybe didn't recognize or acknowledge or know that Draymond was legit hurt and that number that was still on the board. Man, Jonesy, if I had known that, you and I could have made, man, bet the house, bet the farm. We'd be multi-millionaires today. Uh, that's a missed buy opportunity a right there, right? Yeah, we but can buy it. a we team. Can't, and we can't bet on NBA games, though, I don't think. Become become owners and really screw things up, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll keep my gambling to the NFL. I don't want to get myself in any trouble with the NBA, but kudos to anybody out there that made money off Draymond Green last night. Um, on on that note, I don't think this man can be betting on NBA games either, but no, uh, no, we no. can talk to him about a whole bunch of different things. As we bring into the conversation, reporter, host, Mr. Everything for the NBA on TNT and, of course, the NBA, uh, well, not the NBA on TV, NBA TV, Jared Greenberg. Jared, how are you today? Uh, fellas, clearly you have not been privy to, uh, if anybody's watching from around the, the NBA League office or from the Raptors today, they're very familiar with my my gambling work that that I had to do a video this year for all NBA employees to teach them about the betting rules and and how you're not allowed to bet if you are affiliated with any NBA uh, any teams or league office. That's why I said I can't bet on them. I, I watch my Jared Greenberg <laughs> video and I know I can't, so I, I keep it to the NFL. I just wish I could have gotten in on the Draymond Green action last night. Jared, uh, no, Jared. Right now, Jared, the way Eric bets, he would have to bet from now until kingdom come to make any money. He is the last, and I say this affectionately because I am too, the last of the let's lay a whole dollar. Let's lay fi- no, 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 no. $3, $3, Oh, we've pushed the limit now? Inflation's got it yeah, up to $3 yeah. from one or two? Two doesn't seem enough. Five is too much. Three is perfect. Okay. <laughs> There you go, you Jerry. Guys, you guys so he's not crazy. making any you money, guys are Jared. Crazy guys. Yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, hang with us. You'll 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 get in some real crazy stuff, Jared. <laughs> hey, it's it's just I, enough I, to I have, have a rooting with, interest, I, I have right? Hung with you guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have yeah. hung out with you guys, and, and I think Jonesy's a little more a little more uh, risky than you out in the town. Ooh, well, I don't think you've hung out with us long <laughs> enough, then, Jared. <laughs> anyway, you got me on a good night, Greenberg. Greenberg. 
Yeah, yeah it got yeah, me on a good so. night. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've it's it's taken me about twenty years, but I finally got Jonesy to acknowledge that alcohol is a drink and that uh, he'll he'll pour it into his throat a few times. So, anyways, wow. uh, I digress. Are we still on the air right now? Jared Greenberg from the NBA on uh, TNT and NBA TV. Jared, last night, Clay Thompson back in the lineup, putting all the gambling stuff aside. Man, that was just yeah. awesome to see. And the path, the road that he's been on to get to this point and didn't look like he skipped a beat. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, what, what to me, you know, and I, I was on the air for NBA TV's coverage in America last night uh, for the game. And, and uh, you know, I think I had to check myself a few times because I think there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and a lot of hyperbole thrown around with last night. But, um what, what, what I've come to the conclusion after, you know, digesting what happened last night is that, you know, he is, number one, just such a likable, authentic guy. And I don't know if you heard or played any of the clips from him after the game where, you know, he, he wondered to himself if last night was almost as good as winning a championship. He said not quite, but, you know, he was just so humbled by what the organization and what the, what the fans did for him last night. And then number two, and I, I take this back to conversations that the three of us probably had during the Warriors dynasty, which was ultimately, you know, ended by the Raptors, is that people either either don't take the time or take for granted greatness too much. And and we I think you know, sometimes we get caught up in the moment too much, but sometimes when things are great, we, we don't allow ourselves to immerse ourselves in the moment and just appreciate not what's next or not compare it to something else, but just how great it is. And, and the thing for me that I remember covering those teams that went to five straight NBA finals was just how darn great they were. And Klay Thompson, if not for Steph Curry, might be in the conversation right now for the greatest shooter of all time. And, and I think to see a guy who is as genuine and as authentic and, and to go through as, as devastating of back-to-back injuries as you can go through in professional sports and miss, you know, 941 days, and, and to just show it, put it on his, his back every night, how much he appreciates the game and how much he loves it. And, you know, he's everything in a pro athlete that I think us fans want, a guy who just wants to go out there and win and doesn't care about the other stuff. And, and he's just, he's so good. And, and listen, he, he wasn't he was his complete self last night, and he probably won't be for a few weeks or maybe even a year or two years, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Jared, and, and to that point, uh, everybody's getting caught up. I mean, it's a great story, him, him coming back. But if you're the rest of the league uh, with Golden State sitting where they are and they're getting him back, even if he's not 100%, I mean, he can still stand in the corner and catch it and shoot it. He may not be the, 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 the great two-way player that he was, and, and he may yet get that back. But this just makes the Warriors so much stronger. It, it just it gives them another guy. It gives them some depth. I mean, he only he was I'm sure he's on a minute restriction last night. But as you said, he's going to work his way back. And all of a sudden, this team's, you know, they've reloaded and, and they are in the mix for the championship. Well, yeah, I mean, in my mind, they're, they're the favorite. Um, and I think you're right, Paul. You know, what, what made Clay Thompson so great? wasn't just the fact, and, and this is what I, I've always loved about the Warriors, is that, you know, Clay Thompson wasn't just this great shooter. Um, you know, he did so much for this team. He he allowed Steph Curry to be so great, 
by, you know, and, and people have taken shots at Steph Curry's defense over the years, but one of the reasons why Steph Curry hasn't been asked to be this great defender or take the challenge is because Clay Thompson always took that load off of him, and, and Clay yeah. was the one who was defending most teams' point guards over the years. Uh, but I think the, the incredible luxury that Steve Kerr and the Warriors have now is that Clay Thompson can, can ease his way back because of how good they are in the perimeter defensively with Andrew Wiggins, who, guys, I mean, it, he, he not only is going to be, if he's not on the all-star team, he's going to be right on the fringe of one of the guys we're going to hoot and holler about, about not making it. And then, and then Andrew Wiggins is also going to be right in the mix as we approach the halfway mark of the season now to be on an all-defensive team. Like, that, that's how good he has been. And, and right now he is arguably, you know, the fourth best player on the Warriors uh, and then Gary Payton, the second, the way he's played. Now the Warriors have you know, guaranteed him for the rest of the year. Uh, he has been so good at picking up opponent guards defensively that, that you know, that's the luxury they're going to have now. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Speaking with Jared Greenberg. All right, Jared, I was going to go in a different direction, but seeing as you brought up Andrew Wiggins, an all-star, and at the very least on the, on the right on the fringe and one of the guys we'll be talking about. Can I can I put you on the spot as the as the yeah. voice of the national media in the U.S. to oh, to say oh that you will carry the flag and blow the trumpet for Fred Van Vliet because I'm telling you, Raptor fan base is going to go sideways if Fred Van Vliet is not an All Star. So so funny you you mentioned this. I've started uh, the NBA has sent out their their media ballots to us to vote for. Um, the starters, you know, the way the starters work is that the fans get 50% of the vote, the media gets 25% of the vote, and the players themselves get the other 25% of the vote. Um, so I've started really thinking about it. And, you know, it's amazing. Usually most years it, it's hard to, to – and we just do the starters. But, of course, you know, we're always going to think about the reserves and, and who else should make it. You know, usually it's hard to come up with a, a 12-man roster or it, because it's so competitive. You know, this year, in both the East and the West, because of all the injuries and COVID issues and lack of games guys have played, like, I've had trouble in my first, you know, note, notes that I've been taking of finding 24 guys that I think are all-stars. That's number one. Number two, you know, if you would have asked me this two weeks ago about Fred Van Vliet, I would have said there, there, there's no chance. No, number one, you know, his numbers are okay, but the Raptors are not playing good enough basketball. There's got to be other guards. And then over the last week, and then what is it now, six, uh, six of his last eight games, I think he scored over 30 points. Um, you know, and, and some of these wins and the fact that the, the Raptors are right there in the mix, and, and not, not, not just there in the mix. I mean, we're, we're approaching the halfway mark of the season, and there's a legitimate case that we could be talking about. Are the Raptors a team that are going to play well enough to play out of the play-in tournament and solidify a spot among the top six? I think it's going to be incredibly competitive. With, with teams like, you know, Cleveland, Philadelphia, depending on what their future looks like, Charlotte, Washington, Boston. Um, you know, that's going to be a great race. And really an, an unintended consequence of the play-in tournament is, is teams trying to play their way out of the top seven. Uh, but all that to say, yes, as of today, Fred is an all-star in my, bat, in my book, uh, but we still have a couple weeks to go. Uh, it's interesting, Jared, a couple things to, for me to – that you gave me to chew on. Eric and I talked about it right off the top of our show. And I was always taught, look at the loss column. The Raptors mm -hmm. actually have yep. fewer losses than the Cavaliers now, which means they have games to make up. Mind you, they may not win those, but 
the, the, the standings are kind of, you know, flushing themselves out more in, in the particular order. And then the play-in tournament, you remember we, we joked last year, LeBron James couldn't even, he couldn't spit the words out, yet they had to play in that tournament to get a chance to be put out by the Phoenix Suns last year. So I, I, I wasn't so sure about the play-in tournament. I, I think it, it, it expands and you've got not just the 10 teams, but you've got the people in 11, 12, and sometimes 13 still engaged in trying to get into that, that part of the playoffs where, you know, it's, it's, you can win one game. It's one and done. You can win one game and all of a sudden you have the right to play another week to 10 days in a seven-game series. And winning always counts, Jared. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people get caught up in numbers and other superfluous stuff and never look at the fact that if I don't care what your numbers are like, if your team ain't winning, those are empty calories. And now, I mean, this is the first time that the Raptors have won six in a row since since the league shut down back in 2020. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I, I think that, you know, the other part of the play-in tournament, and I've talked to people in the league office about this, is 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 not only did they think that they would get a bump from from the bottom up with teams trying to compete for the, the ninth and tenth spot, but what's happening now, too, and the Raptors are going to be in the mix of this, as I just referenced, is the unintended consequence that the league didn't recognize but now understands to be a, a, a truly great asset to add more integrity to the regular season is teams trying to avoid the 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in spots and try and solidify their spots as the top six. And then I'll throw another wrinkle into this. And the last time we spoke, we, we talked about a possible stoppage with, with COVID-related issues. We don't know what tomorrow brings in this league, you know, and, and whether it's teams getting just crushed by, by players and coaches being put in health and safety protocol or games being postponed or games even being canceled. We have no idea what the future holds. Are, are, are we going to play 82 games? And if we do, you know, that's the schedule. And I don't want to scare anybody here, but I, I think the, the plan is very much to play 82. But look at the Nets right now. Like the Nets had to play a game yesterday in Brooklyn, and tonight they're playing in Portland, and on Wednesday they're playing in Chicago. That's a product of, of covid because of the schedule having to be remade. Now, do we even get to a point where the NBA has to scale back and say, all right, you know, we're, we're just going to go to the playoffs based on this date. And whether you played 82, 75, or 69, you're going to the playoffs and we're going to take your win percentage. So I think the value of the regular season has been restored in that you have to play each night as if your playoffs are on the line. And I think certain teams have recognized that. It's a, it's a great point, Jared. I didn't think of it that way. I, I, I'd be shocked if the league did that in the sense of looking at a win percentage, especially if there's a drastic difference, but they might be forced to, to your point, with the way things that are, you know, the curveballs that are being thrown at them on a, on a daily, weekly basis with COVID. We're speaking with Jared Greenberg from NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. All right, Jared, this is where I was going to go earlier before Fred Van Vliet and Jonesy just mentioned the team, the Los Angeles Lakers. They are the hot-button topic discussion team all season. They sit right now in the play-in again, the seventh seed a game above 500 they lose again last night what gives what's gonna what's gonna happen with this team how active will they be as we approach the trade deadline how does this thing get turned around or at least become more consistent yeah it's 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 fascinating and you know they had won a bunch of games in a row before last night and i i was very cautious about it because i i was saying well 
look, look who they beat. And, and no disrespect to those teams, but you know, you can't tell me that a team that has championship aspirations and go and win some of the games that they have won um, over the last you know week and a half, and you're going to tell me that you're you, you feel good about it. I mean, let me just read it to you real quick, just so we're all on the same page. Their four-game win streak consisted of beating the Blazers, the Timberwolves, the Kings, and the Hawks. Right, and and then they get blown out last night by the Memphis Grizzlies. Don't look at the score; that was an absolute blowout. They were down by as many as 29 points. Both teams cleared their their benches. And that's when the Lakers made the game competitive uh, uh, with the Lakers bench against the Kings bench. Um, you know, and, and to me, they, they just the, the way they win games against bad teams tells you that they're not prepared for, for the playoffs because those games that they have won in those four-game win streak, like uh, against Houston last week, I don't know if you guys watched this, but, but like Russell Westbrook had seven turnovers and took some horrific end-of-game shots. If he's playing against a team that's even 500, they lose that game because the team knows how to take advantage of, of some of these bonehead mistakes. Now, the other side of this coin for me, which is a complete reversal in, in the way we've looked at the NBA over the last you know 15 years, is that are there six teams or five teams better than, than the, the Lakers in the Western Conference? And, and, and I don't know right now. Like We feel really good, obviously, about Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. Memphis looks like they're for real in terms of being one of those, you know, top four teams. They're certainly not at the level of a Phoenix or Golden State yet, but, but they're there. But is Denver or Dallas or, or who else is going to be good enough to kick the Lakers out of one of those top six spots? That to me might be the, the, the saving grace for LA right now is that there's just not enough good teams in the Western Conference to expose their true weaknesses. Jared, did they, and this is something that we've all kind of talked about and, and discussed, is, was there a mistake, a, a fundamental mistake in terms of yes. chemistry? That, that's all I can think of. I mean, they went for the star power in Russ. I mean, I think the Mellow right. signing was a good signing because he's accepted the fact that he's a hired gun, he's a role player off the bench, He's, he's not going to get the ball, and he's adjusted. Russ is like LeBron. Whatever team he's been on, he's had the ball in his hands the whole time. And I just wonder, to quote my father, people who are square don't die round. Like, are you going to change Russ in one year because LeBron's going to have the ball all the time? I just thought the Lakers made – they went for the flash and, and ignored the fundamentals yep. of team chemistry. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think chemistry could be could be um, learned and, and, and developed over the course of a year to me. Um, and, and I agree with you on this, but but I think it's more about fit, right? Like, and, and just to take your point about Russell Westbrook a step further, not only does he need the ball, if you've watched him over his years, and this goes back to his days in Oklahoma City, then with Washington, and now with the Lakers, and, and also Houston – when he doesn't have the basketball, and I've spent, I've spent countless hours watching tape on this. It's, it's just mind-numbing. When he doesn't have the basketball, he is uninvolved, unen- unengaged, just not interested in playing basketball. You know, we talk so much about this guy who gives so much effort and hustle, and we commend him. And a lot of the old heads that, that are coming from the NBA, old school guys, are saying, oh, you know, they're the champion of Russell Westbrook because of how hard he plays. Does he really play hard or does he only play hard when it benefits him? Because that, that's what has, 
has been bothering me to the core for years because I think he is among the most athletic and talented basketball players we have ever seen in the NBA. But when it comes to playing team basketball, it very rarely seems like he's interested or engaged in doing so. When he doesn't have the basketball, he's like, it's like he's got cement bricks tied to his feet, and he's just standing around. He never sets a screen. He never cuts. He never moves without the ball. He never tries to get the defense off kilter. And then when he's on defense, it's the same thing. He's reaching, playing free safety, roaming, trying to get these random deflections and steals that are not part of a team concept. And, 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 and it's not just, listen, I'm, I'm hammering on Russell Westbrook because, you know, he's the biggest star. But the, the makeup of this roster with the Lakers, I mean, guys, think about it. You know, I, I'm with you. Carmelo is fine, but it fits into this pattern of old guys who don't do, do things to necessarily complement the two guys you need to focus, which are Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Like, everybody's talking about, oh, Trevor Ariza. When's the last time? And listen, Trevor Ariza was great, you know, throughout his years winning a championship in L.A., you know, his time in Washington, helping them to the playoffs in Houston. But when's truly the last time you remember Trevor Ariza locking someone up and thinking of him as a defensive specialist? I mean, they're, they're waiting on Kendrick Nunn to come back. Like, he couldn't crack the Miami Heat rotation in a bubble a couple of years ago. And granted, a lot of that had to do with COVID. But there's a reason why guys like him and Malik Monk, who's been playing good, there's a reason why they were available on minimum salaries or, or just above minimum salaries. Like, do they fit the, the current puzzle they're trying to put together? And it's totally the opposite of what they had two years ago when they were a defensive-minded team that offensively ran through LeBron and focused Anthony Davis. It, it's totally different now. Hey, Jared, um, all I will say is we got to go here. I, I will echo your sentiments and say, wouldn't the Lakers look pretty good right now with Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso and maybe even DeMar DeRozan? I think they look probably pretty damn good right now. But that's uh, yeah. the decision or decisions they made, I suppose. Um, yep, listen, no we appreciate question. the time as always, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, and, uh, Jared. We'll, we'll love, track love you down again soon. There's Jared Greenberg from NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. Man, the Lakers, they just, they're always a topic, Jonesy. They're always a topic, and they will continue to be so. Um, let's step aside for a couple minutes here. We'll come back and uh, shift our attention to not just uh, the NBA, but a whole lot more as well. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, folks, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well.